1: Did you know, according to the National Family Caregivers Association, there are over 50 million caregivers providing for and protecting loved ones with special needs? It's been said, the value of services provided by family caregivers is worth $470 billion. Yet most caregivers work unpaid. They're driven by empathy and love and commitment. Today, I have the great honor of further introducing Paul Norris. Paul is first my darling husband and my best friend. His friends and church family have described him as fiercely loyal, generous, honest to a fault, and an encourager. And as his wife, I have to say I wholeheartedly agree. Paul is secondly my full-time caregiver. From the day we married, Through all the ups and downs we've been through with my muscular dystrophy, Paul has consistently put to practice his vows, loving me for better or for worse in sickness and in health. Every morning, he helps me sit up, assists me in the bathroom, dresses me, brings my meds to me throughout the day, prepares the meals, prays with me on my rougher days, say I'm recovering from a seizure or fighting a migraine, he stays right by my side, working relentlessly until the symptoms are alleviated. He situates me back in bed at night and often wakes up through the night to help me shift. He keeps up with meal preparations, laundry, house cleaning, accompanies me to every doctor appointment, takes me to church, the list just goes on and on. Taking a break for him, like so many other caregivers, is really not an option. You would think these jobs would quickly become tedious and exhausting, but would you believe every single day my sweet Paul begins those tasks by greeting me with a huge smile and a sweet kiss? His acts of love and kindness are a gift from God to me and I just can't imagine life without him. Paul, you've got a few years experience as a caregiver under your belt now, so a lot of us are eager to hear your thoughts on the subject of caregiving. I want to start with the word caregiver. Many people don't really understand what this means. How would you define caregiving, and why is it so important?
2: Well, I would describe it as anything you do in support in the independence and quality of life for an individual with special needs. Uh, It's a broad role, so anything from providing personal care to companionship to even moral support. Caregiving is important because God expects us to have compassion for those in need and defend the helpless. We live in a world where personal sacrifice for someone else is almost unheard of. Seeking our own fulfillment is really what's only encouraged from the world. But yet, God's Word tells us the very opposite. We are to consider others more significant than ourselves. As Proverbs 31, 8-9 says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. We also see in Exodus 22, verse 22, God orders special care and protection for the widows and orphans. And also in James one twenty seven, says caring for the orphans and widows is the fruit of true the true worship of God. At the same time, we read through Exodus and Deuteronomy that God reserves wrath for people who take advantage of those who are blind, deaf, and disadvantaged.
1: How did God equip you to handle the role of caregiver?
2: Well, that's... Uh can be a long story. I'll try to keep it synopsed or brief as possible. Um, I have always had a heart to help others. And it started early when I was younger in the church, probably when about fifth or sixth grade, I started serving in the church. And that developed into wanting to help individuals and seeing the need of people and having a compassion and desire to to do what I could to help them. Um, Later, it Really came to fruition um, around two thousand twelve I believe it was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and it was stage four he was given four to four months just four years to live, so I stopped pretty much anything outside of just working when i you know because I still had to work a job, but any free time I had, I spent helping him so that my mom could have a break and she was there during the day when I was working and we were taking turns taking care of him. Um, Fortunately, he only got seven months, however, when he passed away. But in that, I learned how to be a caregiver and wouldn't have have, uh, otherwise really known what to do had I not gone through that. And... When the Lord brought you into my life and we were getting to know each other, uh, my love started to grow for you. And I really started to uh, develop more of that heart as a caregiver. And, you know, your life is not only precious to God, but it's also deeply precious to me. You know, when we learned your prognosis of your muscular dystrophy, the Lord really impressed on my heart that I needed to fight for you. And with you as your advocate, I wanted to be sure that every decision made would be in your best interest, and for what I needed was wisdom. As Psalms 121, verses 1 through 2, says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. For where does my hope come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And that's just a reminder of the daily need that I have to get up. Pray, read, read my Bible, have a quiet time with just me and the Lord, so I can learn uh, and get wisdom from Him, and that wisdom and helps me get the strength and endurance for the day by day, moment by moment challenges that I see as being a caregiver.
1: Good. How has being the caregiver changed you?
2: Well, it's really opened my eyes to the need of people with disabilities. I have a more understanding of the challenges, um, of individuals that I, I see and, and, uh, more compassion. Definitely. I mean, obviously I always had compassion for them, but it's a different kind of, it's more of a compassion from God where I, uh, can see how the Lord sees them now. And before I may have just seen them as the world sees them as, oh, it's, you know, almost more of a pity thing rather than compassion, mm-hmm. where I see them, you know, having limited ability, but yet not understanding who the person is, because, and that's what the Lord really helped me to see is seeing people as, as people, as he does, as seeing the person where, yes, they might have limited ability, but does that doesn't mean God can't use them in great ways. And, and uh personally it's really taught me the, the the need to lean on God on a daily basis to get my strength from him because if i had to rely on myself to do this daily tasks i probably would have burned out a long time ago but yet he he really gives me strength and helps me continue to just do it day by day cuz i know that that's what he wants me to do and i'm serving him and when i'm when i'm serving you
1: Well, the number of caregivers is on the rise. So a lot of us interact with caregivers in the church or at work. So can you give us two or three examples of what not to say to caregivers?
2: Well, I think when most people comment or, you know, say, give statements to me uh, or other people, they are well-intentioned. However, people generally don't know what to say to really show empathy or offer encouragement. They kind of struggle, mm-hmm. and so they kind of just take a stab at it and uh not it really expressing themselves well in what they say and a lot of the times the comments aren't really thought thought out and can be hurtful uh proverbs twelve eighteen says there is one th- whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." So, even if you're well intentioned, sometimes the things you say do kind of pierce your people's heart. So, you got to be careful. So, pretty much, in other words, that, you know, trying to say, think before you speak. Think before you speak. All right. <laughs> so, some of the things that have been told to me and probably would be better, kind of left unsaid. Uh, one of them was, uh, I couldn't do what you're doing. You're a better person than I. This can suggest that the life of a caregiver isn't fulfilling. Or that their loved one is a burden. Caregivers don't see their loved one as a burden or an object to be pitied. Uh, sometimes the work can be tiring and emotionally hard. But care- caregivers, me especially, kind of consider the work of caring for a loved one as something you're doing out of love, that it's you know an honor to help somebody, especially a loved one, and making sure that they have what they need.
1: So what would you say in place of that?
2: Well, instead of, instead of saying something like that, you could say, you know, thank you for what you're doing. I can imagine there are challenges, but I admire your dedication. And I'd like to do, you know, A, B, or C to help them or help you, you know, help them. So the second one would be, uh, let me know if there's anything I can do. Now, I've actually said this to someone, again, well-intentioned. However, there wasn't necessarily a thought process behind it of what, if they did actually respond to that que- that statement um, or question, what I would be ready to do for them. And, uh, you know, there's even my friends who are very kind have said this to me because they wanted to honestly help. Unless I or the other the caregiver you're talking to is kind of ready with an answer, they're not likely to call you up. I mean, how awkward would it be if someone's going to go, hey, in, on a Wednesday, call you up and say, hey, you know how I asked if I could do some, you could do something for me? I got to you know, my mom, my lawn needs to be mowed, and I'm really busy. Can you come over and do that? I mean, who's really going to take the time to do that? It's, it's from the person's perspective, it's kind of being selfish, um, even though you did offer. So a couple of different questions you could ask that might be a better way to help somebody is um, ask them, you know, what day can I bring dinner to you? Um, Or, you know, I'd like to have your house cleaned. Is there a good time for that? You know, offering help where it would alleviate some of their daily routines so that they have more time to either rest or more time to spend with the loved one they're taking care of. You know, it could even offer on your way home from work, um, you know, hey, I'm going to I'm stopping by the grocery store or I'm at the grocery store. Is there anything I can pick up for you and drop off on my way home? You know, because you never know, they could have just started dinner and open their fridge and they realize they're out of butter or or something like that. You know, it's something simple and they really can't just take off because the person they're caring for can't be alone. So something just as simple as that on a weekly basis or so is a huge help to somebody and actually would be very incur- encouraging to them too. Cause there is now they see someone helping them and is elite, you know, caring about them to just do some simple things. And one of the, probably even maybe the worst thing someone could actually say is actually not saying anything, saying nothing because complete silence can be painful because We're always, all of us desire to know that someone cares. And if you're sharing your heart about, you know, the struggles you're going through and someone looks at you with, you know, kind of deadpanned eyes and doesn't really say anything because they don't know what to say, that can kind of hurt. So it's always, and everyone likes to be asked, you know, how's your loved one? You know, and how, seeing that someone sincerely cares and shows interest in it, or how are you doing, you know, but asking that in a sincere way, not just being polite And it shows that the person cares about you as a caregiver or that you show you care about the caregiver. It's that simple little way of um, relating to people and helping people know that they're not alone in the struggle they're, they're currently in.
1: What is one of the most helpful blessings you personally have received as a caregiver?
2: Well... Little things on a regular basis mean a lot. You know, when we were living on the East Coast, uh, our pastor's wife would come over once a week to clean the house, kind of prepare a meal or two for a freezer, so that way I wouldn't have to cook when I got home, and we could just pull it out and eat leftovers for a while. And then she would also help with uh, with being a companion for you, having so you have someone to talk to so you weren't lonely, why? And it gave me an opportunity to be able to run errands and hang out with my friends for a little bit. So it also relieved me from when I got home that I wouldn't have to do all these chores. And and that helped provide me more time to spend time with you as your husband and be able to relax a little bit too. And we can just share each other's company then because I wouldn't have to worry about now that I got groceries, I now not have to vacuum the house and everything like that. So it was just that, you know, simple little thing. You know, our pastor's wife uh, really uh, was a huge blessing for us in that regard.
1: Christians are usually good about rallying together to help when there's a sudden short crisis. But many times when that crisis extends into weeks months, or even years, the caregiver often gets neglected. And I believe caregivers need assistance and encouragement from family and friends in the church. We who are on the receiving end of care should be constant in expressing our gratitude and encouragement. And it's also so important for the church to offer support and spiritual refreshment to the caregivers within their congregation. So then what are some practical steps the church could take to lend a helping hand to the caregivers?
2: Well, one simple way to help and support is just to simply stay in touch. You know, often the afflicted family member is too debilitated to go to church. And so the caregiver has to stay home to look after them. Over time, the caregiver loses touch with his or her church family and just giving a phone call once a week, finding out their needs and just praying with them is extremely appreciated. And maybe arranging a time where on a Monday you can take that past Sunday's sermon on a DVD or CD so that person can enjoy the preaching that's going on the day after and not several weeks after. Um, you know, so it's their They're staying current with what's going on in the church and maybe giving them whatever the announcements might be so they're aware of what's going on. And also just organizing a caregiver's day out. The church can provide regular blocks of time for those caregivers so that they can anticipate a break. You know, that break could be once a month, two to three times a year, which would include provisional care for their loved one and maybe attention for the other siblings, for the families whose. They have a child with a disability. That way, the caregiver can anticipate or look forward to the lunch out, Bible study, a sports activity, or just quiet time alone. Reaching out to caregivers does take planning, but it is a ministry that's worth the effort. You know, I I think of Moses in Exodus 17 when he offered to hold up his hands while Joshua fought the Amalekites. You know, as long as Moses did that, the Israelites were prevailing. As soon as he started feeling weak and his hands started dipping, the battle started turning against the Israelites. So when he became weary, Aaron and Hur, H-U-R, like Ben-Hur, uh, they uh, they saw this and they saw that need and they came alongside. And it's a great picture where they lifted up the staff to help Moses be able to hold it up. And they even brought a rock over so he could sit down and it was just that it's a great picture of how they came alongside, and I just, you know, really like that. How that's all someone needs is someone else to come alongside and help support.
1: Well, you've given us a lot of great information. We as believers have a wonderful opportunity in front of us to minister to these caregivers. Let's take the challenge today to be an Aaron and her lifting up tired hands by offering encouragement and providing much needed support. And in so doing, demonstrate the love and strength found in Christ.
0: Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, Questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.